doing today? Good? My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you who do not know me, I want to welcome everybody to church today. I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now, wherever and whenever you're watching us from. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. We took a pause in our foothold series to do a two-part series called 5783. We're talking about the Jewish, the Hebrew calendar that we just entered into a brand new year. And so I just wanted to pause it and stop it uh, just to talk about it. I guess it felt like it's really important. Uh, and many Hebrew scholars believe that this is the year. They, they give a prophetic message from 5783 that this is the year that the righteous ones have the ability to see a breakthrough. And so, man, I believe that this is the year of a breakthrough. And that word breakthrough means a lot of things. It means restoration. It can mean healing. It can be uh, being set free. And so I believe that this year, no matter what is happening to our economy or our world or our culture, that the righteous ones, God's people, will be able to see the breakthrough that's coming this year. Amen? And so I just really felt the importance of stopping the series. That's what the Lord wanted us to do. And so we're picking back up our series called Foothold. And we've been talking about closing the doors to the enemy. Satan gets access to our hearts and our minds, to our family, to our marriages, to our finances, through everything in our life, through doors. And and sometimes we purposely open these doors to to the devil. And then sometimes there's some back doors. There's, There's some doors that are opened unintentionally. And so we've been going through closing these doors as we've been talking about forgiveness and bitterness and, and uh, divorce and just, just things that, that how Satan has opened up doors in our lives. And so uh, I think I got one more after this uh, part, but, but I don't know. Okay, don't, don't hold me to that. I think we've got one more part and then uh, we'll move on to something different. Um, this part of this series um, has the potential to do some things here at Passionate Life Church that no other part does. In part seven today, let me just tell you what it is. It's foothold of finances. Foothold of finances. And as your pastor, I need to apologize uh, for not teaching on tithing and giving like I should, okay? A couple weeks ago, the Holy Spirit just convicted me like crazy. And the word that he spoke to me is he said, you are robbing my people of experiencing the blessings that I have for them by not teaching on tithing like you should. And so I apologize for that. It's my fault, okay? It's my fault that many of you don't understand uh, the importance of giving and tithing and putting God's first. And, and let me just give you the background of why, okay? I had a foothold in my heart, and it, it goes back to when I was 14 years old. My dad's church split because of money, okay? Church split, and eventually my dad had to leave that church uh, because of that issue. And 
So when, when God called me to, to, to start Passionate Life Church some 10 years ago, I was like, God, this money will not uh, be an issue in our church. M- money's not going to be an issue in our church. And will not be a place where people will come and be like, oh, this church just wants my money. Okay, that, that was a fear inside of me. That was a, that was a foothold inside of me because I, I didn't, my heart is so for the lost and I want people to encounter Jesus that I don't want anything to stop them from receiving the fullness of what God has in store for them. But that was my issue, okay? That, that, that's not people's issue. That's not God's issue. And so, man, I repented a couple weeks ago. And Father, I said, I, I, God, I'm, I'm sorry that, that I allowed these things to uh, stop me, okay, uh, from, from, from teaching on such a powerful principle. Because if I were to take an educated guess uh, about the people who call Passionate Life Church their home church, I would say about 8 to 10% of the people that attend Passionate Life Church actually tithe, okay? Actually put God first in their finances and, and give 10%, okay? And we're going to talk about that in a, a moment. And some of you are like, well, how does the church survive when only 8 to 10% are actually tithing? It's because those 8 to 10% are incredibly blessed, and they're incredibly generous, and they give over and above, and their life is exponentially blessed. And, and, and me, my, my wife and I, we, man, we get this, and we've been tithing and putting God first over and above for 15 years of our life. And so this church will always be blessed because we put God first in our finances, okay? But that's not fair to withhold a powerful blessing from your lives and what God can do because I'm worried about something, okay? And so for me, I feel like this is the final frontier for me, okay, of getting my breakthrough in this church and just allowing the Holy Spirit to release everything that he has for our our church, okay? Now listen, for you new people, welcome to church today, okay? We're not, okay, here, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to pass the offering plate after the message, okay? Because we don't have offering plates here, okay? We're, we're never going to do that, okay? Um, this isn't about manipulating you to do something, okay? And here's the other thing. Save your emails, okay? The church is doing fine. I, I'm still going to get an email from somebody. They're like, is the church okay, pastor? Like, because usually pastors do that. Like, okay, we need to pay the mortgage. Can you guys please give? No, no, no. The church is doing great, okay? We're, we're, we're fine financially. This is a message to help you understand. To, man, I, wanna, I want you to be foothold free. And I believe for a lot of us in this room today, this is the last frontier for you. This is a, like releasing control of your finances to God is the last frontier. We've been working through a lot of things in this foothold series, and I believe for many of you, like this is going to be the breaking point where God just releases you into that breakthrough this year when you release the control of money. So, this is probably going to be the hardest, me- it will be the hardest message you've ever heard me preach on money. And for some of you, it'll be the hardest message you've ever heard on money because that's just the way God works with me. Amen? Let's pray. Come on. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that that 
you convicted my heart and I'm open for you to convict me and help me grow in everything that you've called me into. God, I thank you already, Jesus, what you're gonna about to do in the next 30 minutes in hearts and minds right now in Jesus' name because I know that there's something powerful coming. I know that there's a breakthrough coming. I know there's miracles that are coming because of this, that we expose this control of money right now in Jesus' name name. Holy Spirit, speak through me. God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convey the message to your people, what they need to hear today. God, get me out of the way, all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen Amen and amen. So the Greek word for foothold is tapos. When we be going through this, I just want to review. Tapos means a place, a region, a seat, an opportunity. Satan's trying to get a place. He's trying to get a region. He's trying to get a seat. He's trying to get an opportunity in our lives to get a foothold, to find a place in our lives. And many times money is a, a, a silent foothold in our lives. It can be a silent foothold in our lives. Many of us have a foothold in our lives and we don't even know it. And so I want to start in Matthew 6.24. These are the words of Jesus and this is from the Amplified Bible because this is one of these passages that needs to be amplified. Come on, somebody. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Okay, when I think of a master, I think What is on the opposite end of a master? A slave. And so you're either a slave to God or you're a slave to money. When when, when I think about this, I think, man, am am I a master to God? Is God my master or is money my master? This is the only place where Jesus specifically talks about a master, two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is a false god. Mammon is a demonic spirit that gains access into our hearts and minds through money. Money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is value more than the Lord. And so if we are not putting God first in our finances, and listen, For some of you, you don't know any better, right? This is the first time that you've heard about tithing and giving and putting God first and the importance of it and this spirit called mammon that is attached to our money. If we don't put God first, if we don't tithe, if we don't give God what is his and that is 10% and we'll get into those details in a moment. But we literally have a foothold in our lives if we're not putting God first in our finances. And Jesus is saying, this God mammon has a seat in your home. This God mammon has an opportunity in your life to mess with your marriage, to mess with your heart, to mess with your mind, to mess with your kids, because he has a seat in your home. And if we want to remove everything, listen, I'm going to get t-shirts that say foothold free. Come on, somebody. Come on. At the end of this series, we're going to be foothold free free. Come on. And, and man, I want to be foothold free. I want you to be foothold free. And some of you don't even realize that the spirit of mammon is messing with your life. And so Jesus says, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. It's a master 
And you need to choose which one you're going to serve. So for the rest of our time, we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to be in Malachi chapter 4. And let me give you some context in, into this passage. Basically, God's people were complaining about seeing sinful people, okay, wicked people succeed, okay, and, and, and be blessed. And they, they didn't understand. They're like, well, God, there, there's wicked people that have lots of money. And in the same way today, there's a lot of wicked people that, that are super wealthy, that are billionaires, right, that are billionaires. And they're like, well, what about these people? How are they succeeding? And so we're kind of going to skip around in, in, in Malachi chapter 3 uh, because I want to frame it in, in, in a way so you understand fully of what God is talking about. And I believe that there's a prophetic message for us for this year in uh, Malachi chapter 4. But let's look at Malachi chapter 3, 16 and 18. Then those who feared the Lord, remember we talked about that, having a fear of the Lord, talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possessions. Let's continue. I will spare them just as the father has compassion and spare his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. He's talking in the context of money. He's talking in the context of tithing. When it comes to the last, and he's talking about the last days here. We've been talking about that a lot, that we could, we could be into a seven-year tribulation period, or, or we could be in a seven-year cycle of, of transition into the tribulation. We don't know. God isn't bound by numbers. He likes numbers, and he likes to do it in, in seven. We don't know where it is, but I don't know about you, but I want to be on the right side completely. I want to be called righteous. I don't want to have any disobedience in my life. I want to I want to be the I want them to be on the part where, man, here's the separation. And unfortunately, there's a separation between churches today of the ones who, who are holding a biblical worldview and the ones that don't, okay? So God's saying, man, there's going to be a time where there's going to be a separation for those who serve me fully and those who do not. I want to look at Malachi chapter 4, and then we'll go into the, the money passage here. And the reason why I want to look at Malachi chapter 4, uh, Pastor Don actually brought this passage up a couple weeks ago in, in, in our staff prayer, and our staff devotion time, and it just hit me. And it felt like, man, this is a word. If we get this as a church, if we understand this as a church, like this is what God's going to release in 5783 for our church. Malachi 4, 1 through 4. And this is in the Amplified again. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, proud, self-righteous, haughty, and evil, and every evildoer shall be stubble. And the day that is coming shall set them on fire, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root or branch. Let's continue. But for you who fear my name, again, there's that, that fearing the Lord, with awe-filled reverence, the son of righteousness will rise 
with healing in its wings. Remember what we talked about for the part one of 5783, that there was this rise and release that was going to take place, come on, into the breakthrough. And another name for that breakthrough is healing. Come on, somebody. Will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forward and leap joyfully like calves released from the stall. Come on, if we understand this, if we get this, if we can be footfold, foothold free as a church, man, this year is going to be the rise and the release that we will see the coming breakthrough. This is the righteous one. We're going to get the healing. We're going to get set free. Your family's going to come to know Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like, this is the year. And the world can collapse around us, and it won't matter because God's going to take care of the righteous. It is the rise and the release like a calf. I'm, I was raised on a farm, and so when, when, when calves are released, they just, they just kind of like frolic everywhere. They don't, they don't care, right? It's like dance like you know, no one's watching. You know what I'm saying? Like they just... They're just, all, they're just happy to be free. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, like, this, come on. This is the year of freedom. This is the year where you dance like nobody's watching, right? Come on. Like, the rise and release into everything that God has in store. You will trample the wicked. Come on. Somebody needed to hear this message today. You will trample the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Come on, some of you need to you get your stomping boots out. Come on, Satan's going to be under your soul this year. He's been messing with you too long. You have authority in Jesus' name. You need to use, this is the decade of the mouth. You need to start using your mouth and telling the devil where he can go. He has no power over your marriage. He has no power over your finances. He has no power over your career in Jesus' name. I'm a little fired up today. Let's continue. Remember with thoughtful concern the law of Moses by my servant, the statues and the ordinance which I command him on Mount Horeb to give to all of Israel. So he's like, hey, remind you of the Ten Commandments. They're good, right? The Ten Commandments are good. Jesus didn't come to do away with the Ten Commandments. He came to fulfill them. And one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not steal. And I think that's one that we can all agree on. You, you shouldn't steal in any circumstance. Well, what if somebody's starving to death? We shouldn't justify sin in any context. Okay, that's where we get in trouble. We start justifying our sin we compare it to our neighbor. We compare it to our coworker. Well, my sin's not as bad as theirs, right? When we start justifying sin, that becomes a very slippery slope in our lives. And so God's like, hey, I just want to remind you, keep the Ten Commandments. They're still valid today. Okay, let's get into Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Now, I want to remind you, this is God speaking this is not Malachi speaking. This is not some prophet speaking. These are the words of the Lord, okay? This is not Pastor Andrew speaking, okay? This is God's biblical worldview on money, okay? This is God's biblical worldview. And this, listen, 
many of you, you come here to Passion Life Church because we have a biblical worldview, and you love it when I preach on sin. You love it when I preach on abortion. You love it when I preach on homosexuality. You love it when I go places that nobody else will go, right? This is a biblical worldview when talking about money, okay? The Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. He doesn't change. And it's very interesting that he says this before he talks about money because we like to change scripture. We like to change God's thoughts. We, we like to change, right? We're in a culture that just does that, right? We're in a church culture that does that. Well, really, is this, is this book really relevant today? You know, I don't know. No, it is. It, it's, it's the book that he wrote for us. And we have to hold true to everything that's in it even when God talks about something that's painful for us, that we like to control, that we worship in our lives, that it has a foothold in our heart and it offends us, we still got to hold true to what God says about it. And the reason why he doesn't change is because he's already best. You can't change best. God's best. There's nothing better than best. It's God, okay? And I love this next sentence. He says, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. And so what God says is, I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> You're welcome. I could change, but I haven't killed you up to this point, even though you're disobedient. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Man, it is so simple. And we, we, we did this last week. I led us as a church in a prayer of repentance and that we would humble our hearts and we would repent before the Lord and we say, God, whatever is in me that is not of you, get out of me because we want revival. We want a spiritual awakening. We want everybody in Littleton to get saved. Every single person, right? And, and so it takes a humble heart. It takes repentance, right? To, to see where you're wrong. It, it took a humble heart to say, hey, man, I'm wrong. When it comes to preaching on, on giving and tithing, I haven't been doing it. And so now humble my heart because why? I want everything that God has for this church. I want you to live foothold free. Return to me and I will return to you. God's so good. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, how, how are we robbing you? Continue. In tithes and offerings. You can leave that up there. So how can we rob God? We can't actually steal from God. Okay, because he owns everything, right? Everything's his. Can't really steal from God. What we rob him of, what we steal from him, is his ability to fully bless us the way he wants to bless us. When we withhold tithes and offerings from him, we withhold his hand of blessing upon our lives. So what's the tithe? The tithe is 10% of everything you make. So if you get paid once a month, you tithe on that. If you get paid twice a week or twice a month, you pay on that. If you get paid every other week, every time you get money, it's a test. Every time you get money, it is a test. Are you going to put God first in your finances or are you going to withhold it? 
Are you going to keep it? Are you going to try to continue to control? Are you going to continue to have that foothold, that spirit of mammon in your home? Or are you going to be foothold free? Every time. Now, tithe is a 10%. And then sometimes I get this question, should I, should I give on the net or should I get on the gross? I don't know about you. This is just me. I don't want to pay the government before I pay God. I don't serve the government. I don't worship the government. I serve God and I worship God. Okay? That's me. So God say, hey, you, you, you're stopping me from blessing you the way I want to bless you. Now listen, tithing is 10%. Anything over 10% is your offerings. Okay, if you want to give to missions, if you want to give to Bundle of Joy, if you want to give to a nonprofit, if you want to give to the homeless shelter or a homeless person, that is everything over your tithe. You do not designate your tithe to whatever you want to designate it to. Okay, because that's still you controlling where your money goes. That's releasing the foothold that Satan has on our life when we're saying, God, I trust you. I'm giving 10% of whatever comes in, whatever I make to you first. Because I want to live under an open heaven. Look at this. Bring the whole, okay, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, right? And, and, and so God's specific, not half the tithe, not 3%, not 5%, not 7%, not 9.5%. No, no, no. You bring the whole. You bring all 10% to the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's God's house. It's his church. That there may be food in my house my hope is that you're being fed this morning. My hope is that every time you come to church that you're being fed. Every time you go to a life group that you are being fed by the word of God. This is, guys, this is the biblical worldview on money. Look at this, look at this. Test me in this. It's the only place in scripture where God says, Test me. Test me. There is uh, the Jewish people, they take this to heart. I mean, they really take this to heart, this, this passage of Scripture where God says, test me in this. And I was watching this, uh, th this episode of the synagogue in, in, in uh, I believe it was New York City, and the rabbi in the synagogue Every year, every person that, that is part of this synagogue goes and sits with the rabbi. And the rabbi tells them what they should give for the year to come. Sometimes it's 10%, sometimes it's 15 sometimes it's 20 sometimes it's 25%. And, and they internalize that, and they're challenged by that because they know this principle. And what they believe is that you sow into the future. So whatever you give this year is the blessing that God's going to give you the next year. They, they, they love that, that sowing the reaping principle. And so they're, they're willing to sow for a whole year and, and the testimonies are just incredible. How God provides supernaturally for them just because they get this principle. Test me in this. And I, what I have seen I've seen more breakthrough, more supernatural miracles 
in, in, in the realm of finances than I've seen any other miracle that God has done. And it's because it's the only place where he says, test me in this. It's the only place. Because why does he do this? It's because he knows the spirit of mammon is a powerful God, lowercase g, in our lives and gets a foothold and can become a master in our lives. And so God's like, okay, I'm going to up this demonic spirit and say, look, I got supernatural miracles attached. If you test me with your finances. Now listen, the whole tithe is everything you make, husband and wife, okay? Just not the husband or just not the wife or whoever makes more money. It's, it's everything. The whole tithe is everything financially that comes into your household is what you tithe on. And see, look at this, guys. This is the promise if we test God with our finances. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And, and, and I, I talk to people from time to time and they say, Pastor, I'm blessed and I don't tithe. Here's the thing. You don't, you've never lived under an open heaven. You've never lived under open floodgates. So you have nothing to compare it to. I do. I've been practicing this for, for 15 plus years of my life. When we moved here from, from Jacksonville, Florida, when we moved here, we moved here with, with no, you know, mother church or anything. We just parachuted in here with $7,000 in our church bank account, okay? Within five years, God made a way supernaturally for us to purchase this building, okay? This building is worth over $7 million, okay? That is a 1,000x return. Let me tell you, your 401k can't beat that. Your financial advisor can't beat that. Like, Bitcoin can't beat that. Come on, somebody. Like, I need to invest in some God coin. Come on, somebody. Because his returns are exponential, and it's not always dollar for dollar or, 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 or he, he's going to give me this. Because listen, when Don and I started this church for the first year, we took no money. For the second year, we took 18,000. For the third year, we took like 30 grand. Okay. And let me tell you, we continue to put God first in our finances and we were content. We were so filled with joy. We didn't do without. Never. It, it, you know, you think about that scripture in the apostle Paul, man, I'm content in all things whether I have little or much. We have to get to this place where we're content with the Lord no matter what we have because at the end of the day, more money doesn't make you happy. You can't buy joy. Now, you can, you can buy pieces of happiness, right? And, and you can, okay? Uh, you can go on vacation. And you can buy a, a, a nice new car, which for the moment will give you temporary pleasure, but it doesn't fix your joy level. It doesn't fix your, 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 your content level. It doesn't remove that demonic spirit of mammon that is in your life. It, it doesn't kick him out. Let's continue. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations 
will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. As I was processing through this this week, and again, there, there was like just resistance on my part. Oh, I don't want to talk about this. But as I was processing through this with, with, with the Holy Spirit, he said this, I want to make your church a delightful land. I want to open up the floodgates. I want, to, I want your church, I want my church, Passion Life Church, to be under an open heaven. And right now it's not. Because we only have 8 to 10 pe- 10% of the people in this church that are truly tied, that, that truly are living foothold free in, the, in their finances. What if we reverse that? What if 90% of the people that call Passion Life Church their home were putting God first in their finances and were experiencing what it's like to live under an open heaven? What it's like to live with the floodgates of God open in their life? And God took me back to the first message, the first service that we ever had here when we moved into this building some five, six years ago. And I was walking down the hallway there, just weeping before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, get prepared, get ready, because the flood is coming. And as I was preparing this week and I saw that word floodgates, God's like, this is it. This is the last frontier. If this church will begin to put me first financially and remove the foothold of finances in their life, I will open the floodgates. I will open the floodgates over this church tremendously. I will bring revival like they've never seen before because my people are putting me first in their finances. I can, I can stand up here for, for two hours and tell you how God has blessed us so tremendously. But I want you to experience it for yourself. That's all I can say. Is, that's why God says, well, test me. Just go ahead and try it. And God's challenged Dawn and I. You know, we've, we've been giving over and above for over 15 years. And just recently, God's like, okay, I need you to get a little bit more uncomfortable. And we did, we did. We started this this week because I'm going through this. I'm getting convicted. I'm like, okay, we just need to give more. And what happens with that is there is a expectation that comes that, okay, I'm putting you first, God. There's an expectation that you're going to do something supernatural in my life. And I'm excited about it. I'm ready for it. I don't know what it is. But many of you have lived your life with no expectation that God would move. And and, and the reason is, is because, man, finances has a foothold in your life. And so you, you live with no expectation. And so because you live with no expectation, your faith is small. Your, your, your faith, how God can move in your life is little. What would happen? I'm telling you, what would happen if you started living with expectation? Putting God first in your finances, you would begin to live under an open heaven. The floodgates will open up and pour out in your life. And here's the thing, this is what happens, okay? When you get blessed, you can become a blessing. The blessing outpours, not so you can just hoard it and keep it to yourself, 
so you can begin, begin to be generous to other people. You can, be a, you can become a blessing to other people. Why? Because God has blessed you. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. First things first, maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. I need to say yes to him this morning. Or maybe you've, you've drifted from the truth and, and you're here today and you need to make a recommitment to Christ. You need to recommit to him. You need to repent and you need to follow Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, just slip up a hand. I just want to pray with you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. You can just put it down. Thank you, God. And I would just ask this morning that we would help those making the greatest decision of their life today and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We ask this morning that you would forgive us of all of our sins, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.